Now broadcasting from Suitland, Maryland, USA, Abiding Truth with Dr. McCune, an outreach of Suitland Road Baptist Church. Please visit us at www.srbcoutreach.org. And now, here's our pastor, Dr. Calvin M. McCune. on a Sunday morning. Praise God. We need to be refreshed, recharged. We thank God. This is part two of nothing can separate us from his love. We're in Ephesians chapter six. Now I laid a foundation on this last week. First John 1 8 9 it speaks about repentance that God wants us to come before him and confess our sin and also John 10 28 to 30 no one is able to pluck us out of his hand and Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 that we are secure we should never ever lose our salvation because our salvation rests in of faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and on God's work in us that when we put our faith in Jesus the eternal spirit he comes in us and greater is he who is in us than he who is within the world so the enemy is not it is not possible for him to take us out of our position with God that's secured in Christ Jesus. Now let's come before the Lord in prayer as we move on with this. Father, thank you. In the name of Jesus, we come before you and we ask for Holy Spirit that you continue to bless us and give us understanding from your word. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like to remind everyone the context in which this was written. When God give us this book of Hebrews. The Holy Spirit intent at that time and even today is to, back then, was to comfort and strengthen the saints through what they were going through. And for us, it's the very same thing to do. He, God, God is doing. However, beyond that, what the Lord is doing, in so doing, I should say, he is revealing the sovereignty of Christ. And the more we know about Jesus is the more we would be living, giving him thanks and praising him. And the more we give him thanks and praise him, it's the best way to experience victory with, with whatever we're going through. It's not complicated. God bless us. And Christ is sovereign and he is our savior. And when we give him thanks, where essentially we are lifting him up for who he is. He is Lord of Lords and he is King of Kings. So Ephesians chapter 6, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying... Uh, um, Hebrews? Hebrews? Ephesians, no, Hebrews. Yes, not Ephesians. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. 
So I'm going to start over. Hebrews chapter 6, not Ephesians. Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of the of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrines of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of the eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permits. What is he saying here? What he's telling us is that, now let's move on now that we are saved. We understand how to be, how what Christ did and what we need to do in response to what Christ did. We understand that he went to the cross. We understand that when we put our faith in him, that we will receive salvation. We understand that his work is complete. We understand that we are not depending on ourselves, not dead works. We understand it is by faith. We understand this baptism, doctrine of baptism, that we experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit in that sense that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit at that moment when we put our faith in Christ. We understand that. And we understand even water baptism that symbolizes our faith in Jesus Christ. Everyone got that? But we have to continue to emphasize those things. And then we have to continue to tell the world that they need to come into a relationship with God. So we live for that purpose. We live to tell others, and we ask the Holy Spirit every day, Oh, Holy Spirit, please give me opportunity. And we believe him to give us opportunity. And God, he does give us opportunity to do that. The people that we know, the people we come in contact with, is to tell them about Jesus. And this we will do if God permits. Now, verses 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. I want to deal with that word impossible. Matter of fact, let me do it this way. Let's go through and read that entire portion. And then I'm going to explain the meaning of that portion. And then I'll come back and we will go through and spend time on it. Are we following that? Yes. Normally... Normally, you are familiar with when I teach that I would say, let's go through and lay that foundation and let's examine every word and that we will do. But I want to go through this time and explain what is meant by the text. And then we will come back and we will look at the diff those different sections. Everyone got that? I don't want you to get lost here. This is very important. This is one of the most difficult texts in the entire New Testament. Now, before we move on, I want everyone to reflect on the foundation. What was the foundation last week? The foundation is God has made a way for us that when we sin, what do we do? Repent. That's what God expects. God does not want us to say when we sin, I have no sin. He made that very clear. Do not be telling me that you, you have no sin. Because when you do that, you're making me a liar. Your problem when you do that is my truth is not in your heart. That's what God is saying. But then here's a glorious promise. 
when you believers, we, God's children, it says when you confess your sins, we are already God's children, when you confess your sins, I promise you that I'm going to forgive you. You just admit to me that you have done this sin. You ask my mercy. You cry out, oh dear God, I'm, I'm sorry for that. And we don't get in a habit, well, I'll sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. God says, God forbid, don't, don't do that. Why do that when we're a child of God? Makes no sense, right? But he says, when you confess it, I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. And I'm going to do so on the basis of the one in whom you had put your faith in in the first place, who is Christ Jesus. Everyone got that clear? That's the foundation. Repentance for us as believers, ongoing. What's the other foundation we, we saw? The other foundation is this. We are secured in Christ. That's settled. We can never lose our salvation. No one is able to pluck us out of Jesus' hands, and no one is able to pluck us out of God's hands, and no one is able to remove us from the feeling of the Holy Spirit. That's the blessed trinity that guarantees the Holy Spirit, feeling of the Holy Spirit, the hands of Jesus, the Son, and the hands of God Almighty. We are secured in the, in the Trinity. Now, let me, let's go on now. Hebrews, right? <laughs> Good. Hebrews. Good. So we're in Hebrews 6 and 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good work of God and the power of the ages to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they have crucified again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now, what God is simply saying is this. When we sin, what does he want us to do? Repent. When we repent, what will he do? Forgive and restore that fellowship. That's what God wants us to do. Can we lose our salvation? No. Secured by the Holy Spirit, secured by the Son, secured by the Father. I'm going to repeat again. When we sin, what do we do? We repent. Don't be saying, I have no sin. Repent. When we repent, God is going to forgive. God is now telling us, the Holy Spirit is telling us, that if it was possible for us when we sin, that we will step out and lose our salvation completely. It means that in order for us to be saved again, in other words, if the Holy Spirit came out from us, and in order for us to be saved again, what will have to happen? Christ will have to go back and die again. That's how secured we are in Christ. Are we following that? All right. 
You got that? Cannot consider this verse without those two foundational truths. That's as bad as saying, I believe in the Bible, but I don't believe it is inspired. Are you following? I believe in Jesus, his atonement, but I don't believe it's strong enough to keep me now that I'm saved. I believe someone can pluck me out of God's hands, the Son's hands, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone, you, you, you have that idea of what God is saying to us? Any other interpretation is going to bring to question the work of Jesus. And it's going to bring to question, it's going to be doubting that. And it's going to also bring to question repentance. Because it means that that person can never ever repent. Can repent but will never ever be forgiven. Alright? This, this is called considering the fullness of scripture. If we don't, we take it out of context and we run all over the place with it. Now, Let's go back and revisit this verse and examine the different, what it is saying. Why is this important for us? This is important for us. God knows this is important for us because the more we know and understand what Jesus did for us, we continue to live for him and glorify him and worship him. So let's go back now and visit every section. For it is impossible. What is this impossible? This impossible is used in Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 4. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 4. Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 4. For it is not possible that a blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. See that word possible? Yeah, it's not possible. If it was possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin, it means there, was, there is no need for Jesus to come. There is absolutely no need whatsoever. But since that is not possible, then Christ came. So this word impossible here, for it is impossible, it refers within, without any doubt that yes, impossible means impossible. No possibility of something. It is also, look at our verses, verses 18. Let's look at verses 18. In chapter 6 and verses 18. Chapter 6, verses 18. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Why is that impossible? Because lying is sin. It's not complicated. Thou shalt not lie. 
And every sin begins with a lie. So the devil said to, to Eve, you shall not surely die. But it is impossible for God to lie. So let's see what, how that, let's go back to our foundation. So if God says to us, when you sin, you repent and I will forgive you. Will he lie? No. No. He will not lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Same word, impossible for God to lie. Stay with our foundation now. Remember those two foundations, repentance and our eternal security in Christ. Chapter 11. Turn to chapter 11. Let's go to chapter 11. And verses 6. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 6. We have to have faith to please God. How do we please God to get eternal life? We have to believe in Jesus. We just can't come to church. We hear the gospel. We understand that. We understand that there are two categories of people in the world. Those who are saved and those who are not saved. Those who are saved have, by the grace of God, as we are, we exercise our faith in Jesus. Somewhere in our life journey, someone told us about Jesus. God did not remove our freedom to choose or will and say, you have no choice. You, whether you like it or not, I'm going to save you. For God himself, our Lord Jesus Christ says, whosoever. We could have rejected him. And God says, when you do that, you bring a consequence on yourself. And then there are those who are unbelievers. And it is our responsibility to tell them about Jesus because if they die in their sin, what will happen? They'll spend eternity in hell. They at least have to be given the opportunity. They should at least, they should hear what God says. It is his will for them to hear that, that gospel. That's why we have to be passionate about that. be that which nourishment for the time you give me to live. And when they hear the gospel, Jesus, your love, how do they come to Jesus? By faith. Because the only thing that will please God is faith. Faith in that truth. That same word, impossible. So in no doubt, impossible means impossible. Let's see the rest of what it is saying here. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, it is talking about believers, and having tasted, it is talking about those who did experience salvation, as we have experienced salvation. 
It is not talking about where you can taste something. I can taste something and then spit it out and not swallow it. All I did was taste it. No, it's talking about to taste and to experience. Same word is used in Hebrews chapter 2. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste, taste death for everyone. He experienced it, didn't he? He just did not taste it, but not really went through on it. He fully experienced it. That word taste. Same word is used. Same word. So back in Hebrews chapter 6, it's talking about believers. We have tasted the heavenly gift. We have experienced that heavenly gift. That's the Holy Spirit. And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. We have to be, in other words, we, it is referring here to God's children who are born again and have tasted the good work of God. What is this good work of God? Salvation that is brought to us through Jesus. We have experienced it. Just as Jesus tasted that, he experienced that. And the power of the ages to come, the Holy Ghost in us, with, with an anticipation. What is the ages to come? That one day the Holy Spirit is preserving us. We have a guarantee. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? That one day we will be in heaven. Don't get loose. Don't, don't lose me now. Are you still there? All right. Still there. Very good. Very good. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. If they fall away, if we were to lose our salvation, it is impossible. We already covered impossible means impossible. If we were to lose our salvation, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. And God made a promise, and he cannot lie. He said, when you sin, what do you do? Confess your sin. I want you to confess it. And I promise you, God cannot lie. I promise you, I am going to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Pause a little bit here. We could pause a little bit. Are you on this? You following through on that? Good. So it is impossible if we could lose our salvation. But we can't because our salvation is based on no one is able, is able to pluck us out of Jesus' hands, even we ourselves. No one is able to pluck us out of God's hands, and no one is able to remove the Holy Spirit from inside of us. We still there? And it's referring to believers. 
because if it was possible for us to lose our salvation and then we repent and God promised he will forgive us in order for him to forgive us for the Holy Spirit to come back what would Jesus have to do? He will have to go back to the cross and he will have to die again. But Jesus' atoning power is greater than bulls and goats. That when he dies, he need only die once. Where does that leave us? That leave us that every morning we get up and we say, oh God, I have this pain and this ache and this problem and that problem and this person don't like me and that person don't like me. What do we do? Just stop and think. Our biggest problem was sin on our way to hell. And Jesus left heaven and he came on earth and he's our redeemer. And no one is able to pluck us out of his hand. And we are looking at the issue, whatever we have, and we are looking at that reality. And what the next word should come out of our mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My knees might be in pain, but thank you, God. My mind might be twisted all over the place. Thank you, Jesus. I don't understand, dear God, what to do with that. Thank you, Jesus. Simply, stop dwelling on those things. Reflect on what Jesus did. What will the devil want us to do? The devil wants us to stay in those things. Go to bed with it. You ever go to bed with a problem and you get up in the morning with it? You will get up with it. Matter of fact, the Bible made it very clear. When you go to bed with bitterness in your heart because you did not forgive somebody, you're going to get up with the bitterness. But if before you go to bed, oh dear God, Jesus, Whatever someone did to me today, did they do it or not do it? Yes, they did. We're not going to deny they didn't. That, that will be nonsense. But Jesus, thank you. I belong to you. So, Father, by your grace, I forgive 100% that person. Because, God, you have forgiven me. That's how we go to bed don't, you get up in the morning, you have a nightmare, you call me pastor, I have a nightmare. Why? What did you go to bed thinking about? We get up in the morning, we're thanking the Lord. Are you following this thing? In this world, because we're in this world, we will always face situations. But we reflect on who Jesus is and what he did for us. His work is complete. What then do we focus on? We focus on our rewards in heaven. We focus on serving Jesus. We make sure that the devil does not bring a situation where he's going to attack those works that we are serving for Jesus and dry it up. 
We don't, that's what Satan is after. He can't interfere with our salvation. But he's after our service for Jesus. So let's move on now with that. For the earth which, which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned. What is he talking about? What is God telling us here? God is saying, look, now that you're saved, now that you're sealed with my spirit, focus on your rewards in heaven. Focus on your service for me. Focus on serving me. And this is the encouragement to the church back then. Don't let what you do in life count for nothing. Don't let it be burnt up. Let your rewards count for the Lord. Thus, it has to be for us to live is Christ. For me to live is Jesus. Lord, I'm living for you is what it is. We have to focus on those rewards, saints. We should focus on that. God wants us to focus on that in our lives. We move on beyond salvation. Everyone got that? He made it possible for us to experience that. He wants us to do that. Now, saints, I want you to turn to Hebrew, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. That's what God wants us to focus on. We are already saved. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. When we fall short, we can ask God to forgive us. Now we have to focus on serving him. Because we are God's fellow workers. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Are you there? Right, verses 9. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one work will be, will become clear for the day will reveal it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one work of what sort it is. If any one works which he has built on, it endures. He will receive a reward. If any one works is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. We will be saved. We're not concerned through that fire, but that fire is going to get rid. Why waste our lives? 
what that rest of Hebrews is telling us. Are you following that? Why waste it? Why give it to the devil? When we are God's workers. That's still a choice we have to make, right? Like salvation. Am I going to give Jesus my life to serve him for rewards, judgments of that reward? We'll not lose our salvation. But why not work for God? I mean seriously work for God. Not conveniently. Not trying to please people. I'm in the pastorate. I please no man. I please God. Been serving him for 51 years by the grace of God. And serving Jesus and him only. So we look at life personally and say, oh dear God, my life you give to me after you save me. Because at the moment I receive you, you could have said, come on home. But you give me something, an opportunity to work for you. But that's very clear, isn't it? Very clear. Don't let anyone, any situation, anyone hinder that. No excuses. I'm serving Jesus. He is my Savior. I'm secured in him. And when I know I sin, I can confess it, and he promised he will forgive me for no excuses. Any excuses, that's wood and hay and straw. No rewards for that. I'm going to serve Jesus. And instead, precious stone, gold. That's much better, isn't it? See the, the metaphor that is used there? Gold. For he's gone. That's our precious work. That's how we serve Jesus. Life, the life God gave us is for us. We still have free will. Still have to choose. Get up every morning, we have to choose. We can serve his kingdom or not. Verses 9 says, But beloved, <clears throat> Back in Hebrews 6, 9. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown towards his name. You got that? We are confident. We are absolutely confident that we are serving Jesus. And here is the thing. God will remember what we are doing. God will remember what we are doing and what we have done. He will remember it. Because we did it in his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope until the end of our life. And then the end of this age. That's what we do. That you do not become sluggish. 
but indeed those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What promises? Eternal life and also the promise of crowns in heaven for serving Jesus. It will make no sense at the personal level now that Jesus has saved me and say, you don't have to worry about death again. You don't have to worry about that. At 51 years ago, it would make no sense for me to say, but God, this life you gave me, I am going to live it my way. The battle will be there. Jesus, I am working for you. You are my work person for me to live as Jesus. Somebody don't understand it? That's you. Come to your understanding. I'm serving Jesus. Right? For me to live as Christ, no excuses. Because he is my Savior. Because no one is able to pluck me out of his hand. And I'm so thankful for that. And I want other people, it's not selfish, I want other people to hear that same message. Because if they die without knowing Jesus, their destiny is eternal hell, eternal separation. They never came into a relationship with Jesus. At least they have to hear the gospel. Give them the opportunity. Are we following this? Yes. Please think it through. All right? It's obviously just a, a response to Jesus, isn't it? And this is what happens. You know those weights in life those things that burden us day by day? What do you think will happen 10 years from now? They still will be there. It might be a different form, but it's going to burden you down. Here is God says. He says, lay aside those things. Looking onto Jesus. Just trust him. Say, Pastor, well, how do I just do that? By faith. Just as by faith, we started this journey by putting our faith in Jesus. By faith, when you get up in the morning, when I get up in the morning, when all of us, Lord Jesus, in the midst of my illness and my depression and my anxiety and my stress and my worry and what I think is so great, dear God, all in the midst of all of that, Father, forgive me for all my sins. Thank you, God, that you cannot lie and you said that you would forgive me. And then, Father, here I am. I am so thankful, Jesus, that I'm secured in you and that you have forgiven me, that I present myself to you a living sacrifice. So God, today use me as your vessel. And you'll see the difference it will make. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, thank you for your death, your burial, your resurrection, Jesus. Thank you for salvation that you provided for everyone. It is not limited to a few. It's available for everyone. For you said, God, that 
in your word, for God so loved the world. So thank you, Jesus. And I pray, God, that those who are hearing the gospel, Lord Jesus, O Holy Ghost, just touch their hearts, that by faith they will receive you as their Savior. And we who are saved, dear God, thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, please help us to use every ounce of energy because you said, dear God, that you will bless us. That we can love you with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, and with all our strength. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Help us in that. Where there are things in our lives, oh dear God, Holy Ghost, remove them, Jesus. Remove them, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. That we go to we, we go to bed and we get up, dear God, with this blessed hope that no one can separate us from your love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Praise God.